I have the opinion of the court in case 22506, Biden versus Nebraska. It arises out of the same education plan that Justice Alito just discussed. In August 2022, the Secretary of Education announced a plan to cancel student loan debt by some $430 billion, erasing the debts of 20 million student borrowers and decreasing the debts of another 23 million by about 50 percent. Federal student loan borrowers reporting income under $125,000 were eligible to have $10,000 of their loan balances stricken off the books with $20,000 forgiven for those who had received Pell Grants. Now, under ordinary circumstances, Congress, not the Secretary of Education, decides how federal student loans operate. But in the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act of 2003, known as the HEROES Act, Congress gave the Secretary limited authority to waive or modify provisions of federal law dealing with financial assistance programs, <coughs> including loans, in order to respond to certain emergency situations. The Secretary relied on the HEROES Act to establish his debt cancellation plan, explaining that it was necessary because borrowers living in the United States had been adversely affected by a national emergency, the COVID-19 pandemic. Six states, including Nebraska and Missouri, sued, challenging the plan as beyond the Secretary's authority under the HEROES Act. Now, as in any case, we must first ensure that we have jurisdiction to hear the dispute. Under Article III of the Constitution, a party needs standing to bring a lawsuit. That means he must have personally suffered a tangible injury like losing money or property. Missouri argues that it has been harmed through the Missouri Higher Education Loan Authority, or MOHILA for short. MOHILA is a government corporation that the state created to help Missouri students get loans for college. As one of its functions, MOHILA processes payments on federal student loans from around the country, and it gets paid for each account it services. Under the Secretary's plan, there will be about 20 million fewer accounts for MOHILA to service, so MOHILA will lose some $44 million a year. The parties agree that MOHILA has been harmed, but they disagree about whether MOHILA's harm is also a harm to Missouri sufficient for Missouri to sue. The government says that it is not because Mohila, as a government corporation, has a separate legal personality from the state. It can sue and be sued in its own name. In response, Missouri argues that Mohila, despite its separate personality, is still a part of the state. We agree with Missouri. Missouri created Mohila by statute as a public instrumentality of the state. Missouri law specifies that Mohila is to perform the essential public function of ensuring Missourians' access to student loans and otherwise support education in the state. It has done so generating over $500 million for the state to help fund education. The authority is subject to the state's supervision and control and no one else's. Its board consists of two state officials and five members appointed by the governor and approved by the Senate. The governor can remove any board member for cause. Mohila is directly answerable to the state, which sets the terms of its existence and is the only entity that can abolish it and set the terms of its dissolution. Put simply, Mohila is part of Missouri. This conclusion is consistent with our past cases involving government instrumentalities. For example, we have previously held that Amtrak is still a part of the federal government, even though it is a corporation. 
having been, and this is a quote, established and organized under federal law for the very purpose of pursuing federal governmental objectives under the direction and control of federal government employees, end quote, Amtrak could not claim otherwise. This analysis may find a state instrumentality tantamount to the state for some purposes but not others, but here the purpose is precisely tied to the state function Mohila was created by the state to perform. Under the Secretary's plan, Mohila will be harmed in the performance of its public function. That harm to Mohila is necessarily a harm to Missouri. Missouri thus has standing and can sue to challenge the Secretary's plan. On the merits, the question in this case is whether the Secretary's debt cancellation program is authorized by the HEROES Act. We hold that it is not. The Act does not grant the Secretary, acting alone, the power to make such sweeping, comprehensive changes to the law. The text of the Act compels this conclusion. It says that the Secretary may, quote, waive or modify, quote, end quote, statutory or regulatory provisions applicable to federal student financial assistance programs, where necessary due to a war or other military operation or emergency. Begin with the word modify, which means, both in common usage and in the law, to change moderately or in minor fashion. Past modifications under the HEROES Act have fit comfortably within this definition. For instance, the Secretary has modified time limits and paperwork filing requirements. Here the Secretary claimed that he modified a handful of existing provisions that govern student loan forgiveness. Those provisions were narrow and they provided for limited loan cancellation only in highly specific circumstances, a borrower's death, disability, or bankruptcy, a school's closure, malfeasance, or false certification, a, or a borrower, borrower's participation in the government's public service loan forgiveness program. In contrast to these limited provisions, the Secretary's new modifications erect a vast new program, one that extends total or very substantial cancellation of debt to almost every borrower in the country with no strings attached. In other words, the new terms are not modifications at all. To borrow an analogy we have used before, the Secretary's plan has modified the cited provisions only in the same sense that the French Revolution modified the status of the French nobility. It has abolished them and supplanted them with a new regime, regime entirely. The Secretary next turns to his waiver power to justify his program, but waiving existing requirements cannot result in the novel debt cancellation scheme he has created. Importantly, the government concedes that waiver under the HEROES Act does not allow for waiving loan balances or waiving the obligation to repay on the part of those who have borrowed money. The government instead, inv instead invites us to view the Secretary's program as a two-step process. First, waiving any existing parts of the law that would block the new program, then modifying the remainder to achieve the desired result. But once again, that leaves the Secretary's extensive new program relying on his power to modify. And as we have already explained, statutory permission to modify does not authorize basic and fundamental changes in a scheme designed by Congress, like those the Secretary has made here. The Secretary offers one last textual argument that the meaning of wave or modify is somehow greater than the sum of its parts. On this theory, the combination of wave or modify gives the secretary the ability to make larger changes than modify alone 
would usually allow, up to and including the creation of a nationwide debt cancellation program. But the power to waive does not give the Secretary a free pass to avoid the limits inherent in the power to modify. And no combination of waivers or modifications could result in the Secretary's brand new forgiveness scheme. In short, the Secretary has not waived or modified existing provisions to create his new program as the, as the HEROES Act permits. He has instead just drafted a new law of his own and has done so without congressional authorization. The Secretary urges us to take a broader view than the text of the Act alone might suggest. He says that the whole point of the HEROES Act is to ensure that the Secretary can do something when emergencies arise and extraordinary emergencies require extraordinary action. But the question is not whether something should be done, it is who has the authority to do it. And there are several characteristics about this case that give us reason to hesitate before concluding that Congress meant to confer on the Secretary the power he has claimed. First, the Secretary has never previously claimed anything close to such broad powers under the HEROES Act. Past waivers and modifications under the Act were small and had limited effect. The Secretary's program is different in both degree and kind, and adopting his reading of the statute would give him virtually unlimited power to rewrite federal law. Another reason for hesitation is that the economic and political significance of the Secretary's action is staggering. The Secretary claims the authority to exercise control over a significant portion of the American economy. A budget model by the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania estimates that the program will cost taxpayers between $469 billion and $519 billion, depending on the total number of borrowers ultimately covered. That is equal to almost one-third of the total amount of the government's discretionary spending budget last year. The political significance is similarly enormous. The Secretary's assertion of administrative authority has conveniently enabled him to enact a program that Congress has chosen not to enact itself on a highly contested question widely debated in legislatures and in public. Indeed, the Speaker of the House at the time, Nancy Pelosi, explained, and this is a quote, people think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That has to be an act of Congress. Now, in past cases raising similar issues, we have required agencies to point to clear congressional authorization to justify programs like the Secretary's. And as we have already shown, the HEROES Act provides no authorization for the Secretary's plan at all, let alone clear authorization. Now take a step back and ask, when Congress unanimously gave the Secretary of Education the limited power to waive or modify certain legal provisions concerning financial aid, did it really give him the power to establish a comprehensive nationwide program dealing with an intensely controversial issue in order to wipe out the debts of 20 million borrowers completely and lower the average amount owed by the other 23 million by 50 percent, and to do so by in essence spending on his own say-so almost half a trillion dollars of the government's money. That is inconceivable. The decisions below are affirmed. Justice Barrett has filed a concurring opinion. Justice Kagan has filed a dissenting opinion, which Justices Sotomayor and Jackson join. 